0: about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Will you pray with me? Oh God, pour out your spirit on these ancient words that we might hear something new of you, learn something new of the courage required to do your will so that we may live as your people When we depart this place. Amen. We've spent the last several weeks considering Jesus's invitation to follow and what it means to live as people who embody the example that Jesus set throughout his ministry. So we've talked about what it means to connect with others, expecting that every interaction is a possibility for transformation we've talked about being enriched by the everyday ordinary parts of our faith and being empowered to pursue justice and liberation for all any one of those things is a big undertaking on its own and yet if we are to follow in the way of Jesus then we are called to do all of them so it seems like a fitting question for us would be how do we sustain this life of faith if we do say yes to following jesus how can we do these things for more than a week or more than a season of life or of faith following is bold Belief is the easy part of faith. Anyone that can say that they believe, but living as people who live like their beliefs are true, well, that's the hard part. But we are not the first people to say yes to following in the way of Jesus. And so luckily for us, the gospel has some helpful instructions. Today we're going to turn to the gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter. And this chapter begins with a story about Jesus returning to his hometown. He gets home and on the Sabbath, he does exactly what you'd expect him to do. He goes to the synagogue. Now, I don't know about you, but I love returning to my home church. Walking in just feels like a warm hug. I get to see the people who were my Sunday school teachers and my chaperones and encouragers. I get to see people whose faith I admire, people whose faith has shaped my own. I love that feeling of returning to my home church. And wouldn't you expect the same for Jesus, that it's just like a warm hug when he walks into that synagogue? I mean, how could they not be proud of him? They were the ones who had raised him, changed his diapers, stayed up with him during youth walk-ins, gone with him on youth mission trips. And now he was out healing and teaching and feeding just as they had taught them to do. Those lessons from Sunday school really took. But when Jesus returned to the synagogue, he sat down and he began to teach. And well, as soon as he opened his mouth, that's when the trouble started. They didn't like him so much anymore. They got skeptical and they cut him off. They said, who do you think you are with all this wisdom? Jesus returned to his hometown, to his home church, his home faith community, only to be rejected for living out the words that they had proclaimed week after week. And so off he went, surely with some hurt, but he went back into villages and continued his ministry there, and that's where he picks up for today's scripture. So listen now to these words from the Gospel of Mark. The sixth chapter will begin at verse seven. Jesus called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So the disciples went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When did it happen for you? When did you first experience rejection? Was it when you didn't get the perfect job? When you didn't get into the perfect college? Was it being told no about an idea that you just knew was great? Making an F for the first time? Or maybe it was when, out of the blue, a relationship ended and you had seen no signs of it coming. Or when your relationship with your child just drifted apart and you don't even know why... When did you learn what it feels like to be rejected? And how did it feel? Were you angry, lonely, guilty, ashamed, embarrassed, sad, jealous, anxious? It hits all of us differently, but it never feels good when it happens rejection sometimes just remembering a rejection can bring up all of those emotions in you like you were living it again for the first time so the most natural thing to do is bury it just put it underground so you don't have to think about it or speak of it or feel it have you ever done that just pushed it down shoving those feelings right under the surface and locking them up for good I certainly have so you can imagine my surprise years ago when I learned about a colleague who holds on to all of her rejection letters she keeps a folder in her office and it is filled with nothing but letters saying no for job opportunities and other things that she applied for, which at one point she really wanted. She certainly wanted badly enough to spend time polishing applications and securing recommendation letters, getting her cover letters just right, only to be told no. Now when I first heard that, I thought who in their right mind would ever do that? Seems masochistic. Would you open up that folder and revisit all that old hurt? open old wounds maybe even remember resentments that you'd long since forgotten oh Jesus doesn't say keep a file folder labeled rejection but he tells the twelve disciples what it will take to follow him and what does he do but speak about rejection Now, he was coming off of his own rejection, so maybe we are to assume that his instructions were just tinged with the grief of being rejected by a community he dearly loved. Even so, I think it's so telling that as he calls the disciples, as he says, here, you have the power that I've had, now go use it, that the next instruction he gives is about rejection. What do we normally do after committing to something, a new opportunity or a new job or a relationship or an adventure? At the beginning, we want to imagine all that could go right, don't we? At the beginning, we want to imagine that doors will open, that all the joy that is just waiting for us to claim it, excitement for what is to come. It's not our default to imagine what could go wrong, to dwell on rejection, hurt, failure that may or may not come. But that's what Jesus does. He sends the disciples out to follow. How excited should they have been? Go, heal in my name. You have the power to do what I've been showing you all along. And he could have said, And if you say yes to following me, your life will never be the same. Your faith will be richer and deeper, and everything will change for the better. But instead, he gives really practical advice. Pack light. And by pack light, I mean pack nothing. No bread, no money, no extra clothes. Just go from house to house, following my example, and if someone rejects you, shake the dust off your sandals as testimony against them. Now that sounds harsh, but the disciples would have been familiar with that instruction. Shaking the dust off of your sandals as testimony was a common Jewish practice in those days. So when pious Jews would leave and go out to visit other places, when they returned to Israel after having been in a Gentile town, they would shake the dust off their sandals. It was a visible sign of separation from the Gentile place. And so Jesus is just repurposing that act. He's giving it a new meaning. Shake the dust off your sandals and get on with it. If someone can't receive your act of healing, your act of faith, keep going. Don't linger. Now, shaking the dust off your sandals has become a phrase used in our culture, and sometimes it's set up as a way that faithful people can be holier than thou. Well, I'll just shake the dust off my sandals and get going, but I don't think this is meant to be shaming against the people who will not receive those people of faith. I think Jesus' instruction has way more to do with the disciples and is much less about the people who wouldn't receive them. Go heal he says proclaim, proclaim the kingdom of God and if you do this you can be sure that you're going to know rejection and here's what you can do when that happens it's a ritual he's giving them it's a way for them to process rejection to bring closure to a failed initiative and move on from it shaking the dust off is a visible sign for the, the disciples that they will not tarry in territory where they aren't received, wasting resources, fretting over rejection, nor will they waste time in self-absorption when things don't go as planned. It's like adding a rejection letter to the file folder. It is a visible symbol of response. Filing that letter away is one way to keep it from sitting out on your desk or in your inbox, allowing self-pity to well up, And keep you from moving forward it's a ritual and friends what are the Gospels if not story after story of Jesus being rejected by others it is the common thread there is no way to follow Jesus without learning about rejection firsthand and rejection could look like many things it could look like what the disciples experienced It could look like people you love not understanding why you're so committed to your faith. It could look like disagreements with people who are just as committed to their faith about how faith should be lived out in the world. And it could look like disagreements in this community, among us, about what's most important in our life together, what worship should look like or feel like. It could look like pouring all of your time and energy into creating a new opportunity to serve our community only to have it flop. Now we could, stand, we could stay here all day and list our own rejections and defeats to this list. It could go on forever, but I think the point is this. Saying yes to following Jesus is not for people who want to jump ship At the first sign of difficulty and disagreement following Jesus doesn't offer protection against rejection and failure and disappointment that's why this ritual is so important it is not a way out it is a way through that's what it means to follow to be so compelled by the example of Jesus that when rejection does come, and it will come, that we don't go looking for an escape route, a way to stop doing whatever it is we're doing. Instead, we find a way to continue doing what we're doing under different circumstances, more determined than ever to continue on. I don't know about you, but I find a great deal of freedom in being honest about failure and rejection. If you know what's going to happen, then you don't have to spend so much time fretting about how to avoid it. To be sustained by faith is to get comfortable knowing that our faith offers minimum protection, but maximum support. There is no way to bypass the hard stuff, but that was never the promise of the gospel anyway. The promise has always been that God will see us through it when it comes, accompanying us as we shake the dust off and keep moving forward by faith. When I was in my first year of seminary, I applied to be part of a fellowship program, and I had all the reasons in the world that I was a perfect match for this opportunity and that this opportunity was the perfect match for me. And I submitted the application without ever entertaining the thought that it might not work out. So when the rejection letter came, I was angry. And of course, I did what you'd expect someone to do, had just been rejected, start comparing myself. How do I measure up to all the classmates who did get it? What do they have that I don't? And at some point as I was dwelling on that rejection, I remembered hearing about my colleague Millie years ago who keeps them all. And so I decided I'd try it. I made a new email folder and I labeled it rejections. And this email was the first edition. Now I didn't get it at first, I dragged the email over and dropped it into that box. My mood did not change. It took me years to understand the wisdom of this practice. Years later, when that email folder had gotten much fuller, I opened it one day out of the blue and I just started reading the letters, notifying me of opportunities I didn't get, jobs I didn't get. I keep more than job rejections in there. There are letters of disappointment from congregants and colleagues letters of disagreement anything that brings up feelings of rejection is fair game for that email folder and when i read them that first time i was amazed that instead of feeling upset all over again i mostly felt gratitude because in looking back it was so much easier for me to see how i'd been supported through even though there were plenty of rejections that made me want a way out when I first received them. So much easier to see how people lifted me up and accompanied me through those moments of pain. Minimum protection, maximum support. That is the promise that sustains our faith. That is the promise that we cling to if we are bold enough to follow in the way of Jesus. And I hope that each of us finds the determination and the grit to be sustained by that grand promise of faith. In the black church, there is a great prayer that gets recited when people of God are facing difficulty and rejection and failure. It's a prayer of determination and it goes like this. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord in this time of uncertainty strengthen us where we are weak build us up where we are torn down and prop us up on every leaning side amen go out into God's world in peace have courage hold on to what is good return to no one evil for evil strengthen the faint-hearted support the weak help the suffering honor all persons, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.